Hello, hey, and welcome to Ask the Color Expert. My name is Elaine Travis. I am a career hair colorist, independent educator, and author of the book, A Colorful Journey. I'm here every week sharing tips, tricks, and stories that are all things hair color. Thanks for joining me, and let's get started. Hello, and welcome back to the Ask the Color Expert podcast. Today is a very special episode. I have my best friend in the whole wide world here as my guest. Her name is Ray, and we met in beauty school. 34 or 35 years ago. I'm not really sure, but it's been a long time. She was one of the cool kids that I made be my friend when I was in beauty school and we're still friends to this day. So she is in Philadelphia area in King of Prussia and I am in Florida and I'm so excited to see her beautiful face again. I miss her so much and I'm so excited that she's here today. So thank you, Ray, for spending the time on this podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. You're a busy girl. You're hard to to pin down. So our story started with Five Star Academy of Beauty Culture, and we still chuckle over the name. I I went to Catholic school, so did Ray, and um, the nuns thought that I my school sounded like a Chinese restaurant, and they were like, "What? What are you talking about?" I was a good student, straight A's, you know, one of the top in my class, and they were horrified that I wanted to go to beauty school and. In retrospect, I, it was the best decision I ever could have made because my best friends came from there and the experience was so much fun and I'm still in the industry and so is Ray. We're still standing. We're, we're two of probably maybe five that are still in the industry from our beauty school class, but Ray's journey did not start out the way that most of us did or that she would have expected. Um, and I want her to share that story because you know, we all have a different way of getting into the industry and, and how we end up or where we end up sometimes isn't by choice, but can be a gift in the end. So Ray, if you want to tell a little bit about the story of how you were catapulted into salon ownership at a very, before you could even drink, basically. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. It was before I could drink. I never really thought about it that way. But um, yeah, so my parents owned a beauty salon and I spent a lot of times at their salon, but I wasn't really sure if I wanted to be a hairdresser. So they said, uh, either pick one hairdressing school or college. So I picked hairdressing school. And just when I was getting ready to finish, my dad was killed in a car accident. So I kind of got thrown right into salon ownership. And the people that he had working for him were how much older than you? I mean, that right there, not only the stress of like, what the heck do I do? I just got out of school and I have to run the salon, but they were much older than you. And the the idea of you telling them what to do, I'm sure was extremely intimidating at that time. Right. So one, I guess was, I guess one lady was probably like in her late forties and the other was probably like in her late fifties or maybe even early sixties. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't feel like I really was telling them what to do. I was kind of like, they were telling me what to do. I was just like the front desk, the assistant. Um, They probably wanted to kill me now that I look back on it. (laughs) Now that we're training assistants, you know, I I probably was the same way. I was probably like, you know, 
reading magazines, you know, walking out when they needed me the most, you know, to grab lunch, <laughs> not doing good shampoos. On that note, the good shampoos, I still cannot believe how unprepared people do end up being when they get to us right out of school. I think to myself, it's nine, 10 months in school. And there has to be many occasions where you have to shampoo someone's hair, or you would hope that, you know, that that's going to be your job. But I've never had anybody be a new hire and know how to do a proper shampoo. Well, I feel like they train the they train them a little bit better today than when we were in school. But also, I feel like they only have nine months to teach everybody so much information that, you know, I guess they figure out, oh, we'll just let the salons teach them because they're going to want them to do it their way. But yeah, I feel like some of the kids today come out and they, they're pretty good. Yeah, that's always what, what our clients do is they suffer through a shit shampoo and then you know, when the person either quits or doesn't work out and gets let go, they go, oh, thank God. I had color I all it. down my back. I, my back of my ears was burnt because color was left on there. And I'm like, hello, can you give me that feedback when they're still employed with me? That's a liability. You know, the clients feel bad. They don't want to narc on the newbie and, and tell us that they're awful, but we can't train if we don't know what's not right you know? True. That's true. But I do try and, you know, keep my eye on them when they're doing their first couple shampoos. And, you know, if the client comes back wet or with hair color on their skin, you know, you have to really make that correction immediately. But also I feel like sometimes the new stylist or the new assistant thinks they're so fabulous that they don't receive the criticism. Well, you know, they're like, what do you mean? Yeah, I gave the best shampoo and hairdressing school, right? <laughs> exactly. I got a trophy for every sport that I showed up at, whether I was good or not. <laughs> um, that's actually a perfect segue to the next topic I wanted to chat about, which is the, the new thought process of I am so fabulous and I am, you know, so... Um, so adept at Instagram and Facebook and I can filter and I can make things look good. I'm just going to go right into a suite. I don't want to have to go and work somewhere where they're going to tell me how to dress and what time to show up. And they're going to, you know, take all my money and all of that. This, these past, I would say two years, COVID aside have been, I think the most difficult for the commission salon owner to stay relevant with everything that's going on with this false sense of bravado of these newbies. Like I know everything. And I just think to myself, I can't even imagine you or I, like you said it yourself, you were like looking up to these women saying, show me what to do because we really weren't prepared to be behind the chair and do color corrections and all the things that come up. So are you finding that, that it's harder to, to hire a commission stylist because they don't, they want to skip that step and they don't want that mentorship and training that we all, you know, thrived from? Well, I mean, I think, I mean, I think it goes both ways. If you're hiring like a seasoned stylist, I think it's okay to put them on commission and, you know, it, it would actually probably work out better for them. But for like the newbie, I think they have to be started out on salary and maybe even continue on salary. You know, it'd be interesting to see where this business really goes. Because a lot of this, like the suites, I feel like those people that are jump that have jumped to suites, it's going to be interesting to see how they are walking into their suite without 
a full color supply, you know, when it comes time to like match their social security and Medicare, if they actually do that, you know, uh, when they go on vacation, who's going to pay their, their rent, um, who, when they're sick, who's going to pay their, I mean, there's so many factors. There's so many good points and bad points of both. So it'll be interesting to see where everybody is in five years. That's such a great point because I think that COVID caught a lot of people off guard when, you know, they, I would see on the forums, loads and loads of people saying, I don't, I don't pay my rent right during this shutdown. And I, I just would laugh out loud. I'm like, honey, right. you, you're a big shot now. You, you're an owner and that landlord doesn't care that you're out of work and you can't see your clients. That's life. And you have to be right. prepared for that and have money saved for those times that come up. And to your point about the supplies, I can't tell you how many people, you know, they'll, they'll ask a question in a forum, you know, what, what do you think this formula is, which don't even get me started. That's a whole other podcast about, you know, no natural level, know what the current situation is, no other information, just a photo. Okay. I'll give you a recipe that will not do anything for you. Um, but they're, they're putting out those questions. And then when someone answers like me, um, I spend way too much time answering. I say, oh, you know, that's a perfect um, example of using, you know, 09 AA and shades to, to fill in the warmth that you're missing at that level. And they'll say, well, I don't have that. What else? <laughs> they think it's like a what else thing. And I'm like, it's like a what else thing. <laughs> yeah. Or they'll say, you know, I have a nine and a two. Can I make a six? I'm like, well, yeah, but the, the level of pigment at a nine and the level at a two is completely different. So you can't just mix them together and call it a day. You have to really know what that pigment right. is. So I think there's a lot of guessing, a lot of praying and a lot of uncertainty and then a lot of blaming. I don't know about you, but I see tons of people blaming the um, product for poor results when to me it's crystal clear what went wrong and I hold back I don't want to be that person that's always telling everybody what they're doing wrong but I'm thinking to your point about the shampoo person that makes a mistake if we turn a blind eye and don't want to get on them right away because we feel like we're picking on them they're never going to learn in the future when that comes up again so there's this dance of you don't want to be the big bad boss but you also want to mentor and guide these new professionals into understanding the why behind uh, their formulas. A lot of them go to the store the morning of a new client and they have no idea what the client is going to look like. And I'm thinking, what would you even buy? You know, I, know. I, like, I can't even imagine, like I cannot even imagine like doing that. And just to have that stock in the back room, like you said, I mean, when you need a, like sometimes you're formulating and you know, you're, you are always formulating in real time. So sometimes, you know, you can't tell by a picture of the client's hair. Like you're actually in the middle of a highlight and you're like, you know what? This is what I'm going to do to this client. So, and it, I, for me, hair is a practice. It's not like you have to do it for a long time and practice it and make mistakes and fall down and get back up and talk to clients and figure things out. It's not just about walking in and creating every day. I love that. It's so yeah. true. And that's, that's what it's kind of like, I want your body and I want to feel good and be fit and have all the benefits of all the work that you just put into it. But I want to sit and watch Netflix and drink high amounts of caffeine and, you know, relax and, and be lazy and it doesn't work that way. And that's, I think what I'm afraid that a lot of stylists are doing, they're thinking that 
you know, they're, they're putting a very edited picture out of their work and then a client is going to come because of that, but they're going to leave and look in the mirror and know that they don't look like that edited photo. So it's kind of, I always use the reference. It's like having a boat, a really fancy boat, but there's a hole in the bottom of the boat and you just keep bailing the water out with a bucket. You keep getting by on new clients and looking the part. But if you don't have that fundamental knowledge of knowing the difference on really what to do and how to do it, it's going to affect your retention down the road. Oh my not God. Just keep coming back. Right. And it's, you know, it's hard to keep getting new clients over and over and over again. We all know that. And God, it's just such a cycle. <laughs> so both of us, you know, we've been on the journey together for this 35 years going to a lot of education together and doing a lot of things together. And, and I, I know that both of us would say that our secret to success has 100% been education and growth, not just sitting in our experience and doing the same thing over and over and over again, especially you taking the reins of your dad's business and changing it over to, you know, balayage and, and more, you know, up-to-date things. You could have stayed stuck in doing lady sets and having your weekly clients and all of those things. So it's all about growth and pivoting. But for me watching you, I think the biggest thing for you has been specializing in curly hair. Um, my daughter goes to you and loves you. I don't even cut my own daughter's hair because I feel so strongly about having someone be an expert in a certain technique. And I don't have an expertise in that. I never took the time to learn it. I, I went to the same training and my attention was on Pintora and watching the curly hair painting versus the cutting. So I love that you carved out that niche for yourself in your area where you always have a wait list. You're always busy. And when I hear someone struggling with curly hair, you're the first person that I send them to. So um, have you found that specializing has been overall more positive than negative as far as like for us, when we chose to specialize in color, it was really difficult to hire new people because if they were experienced, they didn't want to give up half of their business. They were holding on to those haircuts. And if they didn't have experience, they felt too green and too new in the industry to have a preference. They felt like they didn't even know which they wanted. So that was really the only negative of us being departmentalized and I still prefer it over having everybody do everything. Yeah, I mean, I think it's such a double-edged sword. <laughs> I mean, you know, I never compared, like I never really specialized when we were younger, like when you went that route, I focused a lot on hair color, but I was, I always kind of considered myself more of a general hairdresser. Like I can do it everything. I can do anything you throw at me, maybe not, you know, I'm not perfect at it or as good as you like say a color, but I have a pretty good broad knowledge of everything, but curly hair is like a whole different animal. I mean, that specialty has made me more money than probably anything I've ever done. But if you're trying to find somebody that specializes in it, that's hard. Like if you're trying to hire a staff, that's a lot of, that's a big problem. So it's good and it's bad. Yeah, so right it's now, amazing right, though how in demand it is. Yeah. It is so in demand, like right now with COVID, because people have been at home for a year or two years and they're not wanting to do their hair and they're not able to do their hair. So they're like, well, I tried to go curly and you know, here I am. 
just like people are letting their color grow out. Like a lot of people have let their like color grow out in that 60 to say 75 year old client, which was our bread and butter. They were every three weeks, every five weeks, cut color. They're not around as much as they were anymore because they've let their color grow out or they haven't, they saw that they could go longer between services basically. So we're That's fortunate so to have the color grows. Yeah, I mean, it's a whole different world out there in the salon. So what would you say to someone who is just, most people just dabble in the curly and they get by. I remember when I was still cutting 18 years ago, I remember I had this curly girl and God, I wish I could call her and send her to you. Like she was so frustrated with me and I was so frustrated with her because I would comb her hair down and pull on the tension that Vita Sassoon discipline pull and cut it and I would freaking measure it. Like it was perfectly even and we would scrunch it and dry it. And she would call me three days later and say, this side's shrinking up and this side's, you know, down here, it's not even. And I'd say, I know it's even, I know it. And I would see her name on the book and I would cringe, but now I get it. It totally makes sense that I was cutting it wet and pulling and beating it into submission to be straight to then cut it. And then when it dried, not every curl is going to lift and bounce the way that, you know, I thought it was going to, because I beat it into being even. Um, So it totally makes sense. But if you were someone, I always chime in on when people say I'm struggling, I'm, I need new clients. I'm like, pick a specialty, pick curly hair to your point. Not everyone is, is doing that. They're not taking advantage of it. So all you have to do is put one Facebook ad on Facebook and within 10 miles of your salon, you know, really target that curly haired woman, they will drive. I'm sure you have people come. I know some of my clients I have sent to you, they, they left us for their cut and went to you for the cut and still come to us for the color. And I'm fine with that because it's all about what the client needs. Her color is not going to look great if we can't get her cut right and vice versa. So, you know, that specialty is huge but it can be overwhelming. And I know there's a lot of confusion between WeDot and Diva and all the different brands. Um, I consider you the, the most expert that I can even think of because you have gone to so many different trainings and kind of made it your own. So where would you say someone should start to even go down that road? Um, I mean, Diva is a great place to start because they really they teach you a specific haircut. So it's a, it's just like a good place to start and learn the whole kind of curly technique. But for me, I mean, everybody should know how to do a dry haircut, whether it be like curly hair or even straight hair. Like for me, we all wear our hair dry. And even when I do straight hair, like I give the best haircut when I give a dry haircut, like you can just see it so much better. You see where the hair lives all the time. Um, but there's a lot of great curly haircuts out there. I would just start by cutting your client's hair dry. Like if you don't want to go take a class or you can take a class, start to cut your curly hair dry and see, see what you think there, you know, grab a friend, try it on a friend or a relative. But um, like Lorraine Massey, when you go up to study with her now, she basically does a traditional haircut, but just dry and without, maybe a lot of tension, like different curl patterns can carry different tensions, but if you play around with them, you, you'll be able to see that, you know. Um, Diva's a great place. 
Rizzo, that's an, another interesting haircut. Um, who else does curly haircuts? Joe Miguel, he does some really great. I think he actually started the Rizzo cut for Rizzo. Um, yeah, just find anybody that's doing curly hair and watch. So Lorraine hair. still does education. She's just not diva. Yeah, anymore. her salon is absolutely beautiful. I mean, she is so creative and just so amazing. And you can go up and take a, a class with her now. I think she opened her classes back up. Um, who else? Um, if you just look on Instagram, there's tons of people doing curly haircuts. And I know you have taken a more natural approach with all of your products with, mm. you know, you, you're very health conscious and you've worked with people that understand more about our bodies and, and what food does and what environment does. Um, so in that regard, what kind of changes have you made as far as the salon products that you use and you recommend to your guests? Yeah, so that was really my biggest aha with curly hair. Like not necessarily the cutting, but just how to treat the hair without silicones and sulfates and chemicals. And the more I use organic products and the more I don't use chemicals on the hair in shampoos and conditioners, the more I can really hydrate the hair and have it feel like hair. Um, I, we find that like the silicones and the sulfates and the plastics, they coat the hair so much that good ingredients can't get in there and really nourish the hair and your scalp. So basically we're just coating the hair in plastics and polymers and we're roughing up the cuticles. And then we're telling people to go home and put more plastics on them to condition them and make them feel better and keep them in this cycle when you can just get rid of all that stuff and make the hair feel good and healthy and not have all the chemicals run down your body. <laughs> so for me, that was more of an aha moment. And using water to actually hydrate the hair and not um, plastics and silicones. That makes so, so much sense. Yeah. So what, what changes have you made on your, I mean, your hair is so beautiful and so thick. It's like women our age are starting to thin and lose hair. And I feel like you have 12 times more hair. So you're definitely doing something right. So what did, like, have you changed? I just tried to go more natural with my deodorant and oh dear Lord, I will have no husband and no friends if I continue down that road. So I don't know if my inside of my body hasn't caught up to the more natural deodorant and I need to detoxify a little more before I can get away with that. But I wake up and smell like, I am fighting for a great on the corner to be homeless. Like I smell like I ran five miles with no deodorant, just waking up. And I'm like, when did this start happening? Like, this is all new just within uh, the last like two months. I'm like, what the heck is this all about? But I had bought a deodorant that said, you know, no, um, no metals, no this, no that. And I was like trying to be healthy, but then I smell. So what can you use that you don't smell and you're not putting all those chemicals? I mean, I don't use deodorant at all. I think you just oh, have to God clean, up your, you have to clean up your food. <laughs> I mean, it's all about what you put inside that's coming out, you know? So once I cleaned up my food, um, I started out with like Schmitz, I think. That was a real, I liked that one a lot. That was a good deodorant. And then I realized that the cleaner I ate, the less I smelled. And now, I mean, even my husband, neither one of us used deodorant at all. So once you clean up your food, you know, you clean up, start to clean up your lymphatic system and- I mean, I really just started to sweat this year. I think I was so clogged up with like just all the chemicals that we use in the salon and like all the stuff we put on our bodies. So once I started to 
detoxify my inside and clean out my lymphatic system, my sweat does not smell anymore. Wow. So how long does it take? Because I've been eating the cleanest I've ever eaten in the last three weeks and I do feel better and everything's working better as far as like bowel movements and all that. Everything feels great. I'm off caffeine, which I never thought I could do. Um, I'm not eating any red meat, which I know that's a whole other conversation with you. You'll say the opposite, but I'm just trying to really be like fish and vegetables and fresh fruits and organic everything. And I know everything is never as instant as we like it to be, but how long do you think it would take before I don't wake up smelling like a football player that's been benched after, you know, a hard game? <laughs> I mean, probably a couple of years. I mean, it took you years? how many years to get oh that way, God. you know. But did you go you? smelly without deodorant in the meantime, or did you wait until- A little bit, because I was just kind of like testing the waters to see like what was working and Leonard saying six months. But yeah, I mean, you're still not, like it took me a while to get my food down. Like it took me a couple of years to really- figure out what to eat and you know so and then I started to do a lot of like rebounding and rolling and uh, de and charcoal to really detoxify my system so it takes a while yeah it took me 54 years to get like put all this crap in me <laughs> isn't it crazy though because it's like I often talk about my life coach and me learning how to be a life coach and how much value was in that in understanding so much that I could have avoided in my younger years with drama and all the things that I'm like, wow, they only taught this stuff at the lower levels in like grade school at the very least high school, how much easier would life be? But you're not ready to hear it. I think then maybe it's you're too young because I know you've been trying to get on me about my, what I eat and, and what I'm doing with my body for years. And I'm like, I'm fine. I'm not sick. I'm healthy. Like I'm good. You know, and my sister was trying to get on me. And I'm just like, until something's broken in you, you're not looking for it to be fixed. And I had a recent health scare, as you know, I couldn't come see you. And that scared me straight. I was like, okay, this was really scary. I don't want this, you know, thing that they think that it is. And it wasn't, thank God, but just that scare I thought I have a chance to clean up my act and never have it be that. And, you know, you hear that, and it wasn't cancer, so I don't want anybody thinking I'm dying, but when you hear about cancer, you now know that that's inflammation in your body. Like it always used to be thought of as like, oh, she had bad luck, she got cancer. Like it was something that you got, that you like picked it up like a, like a virus. But the older that we get and the more we research, we understand that it's, things that we're doing, we're choosing to mistreat our bodies. So I'm like, okay, I get it. Like, I want to be healthy. I want to see my kids get married and hopefully meet grandkids and, and be here for a long time. But you and I, when we talk, it's like quick little things like try this and do this, but you're so far in and you've done so much work for someone listening, the typical hairdresser that is either smoking or overdoing the caffeine like I was, um, not eating lunch, not going to the bathroom enough because we're back to back to back with clients. What is like the first baby step that someone listening can take to start to go down the road that you've gone down and feel so great like you do now? Water. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know what? When you told me to do that and, and that there's a difference in water, I have become such a water snob. I won't go to a restaurant without bringing my own water. Now my kids make fun of me, but oh I Florida water tastes awful. Like, and I already knew that, but now that I have a taste for really good quality water, 
I'm like, I don't care if the restaurant gets mad, they're giving me water for free. I'm not taking away a sale from them. I just plunk my bottle right on the table. I don't make any qualms about it. And the kids are like, oh my God, you're such a water snob. But just starting to drink half my body weight in the quality water was that alone without changing anything else was like, I think that's how I was able to get off the caffeine because I think yeah, I was absolutely. dehydrated the whole time. And I thought the caffeine was making me give me the pick me up, but it's the water that I need it that I right. was confusing, you know? Yeah. And as hairdressers, we are around so many toxins a day and you know, the guy that I listen to, Paul Check, he always says the best solution for pollution is dilution. So basically, the more you can hydrate your body and flush that stuff out, that's like one of the easiest things that you can do. And drink a good quality water, you know, either. I mean, a spring water is the best or, <laughs> yeah, spring water or like artisanal waters, you know, one of the better waters and add a little bit of sea salt in there that'll replace some of the minerals. But even like with hair, that's one of the biggest things about curly hair that people don't realize is the way we add water to the products, to the conditioner and to the products to really push that conditioner and get the frizz out of the hair. Like it's the technique that we're using with the water that is so important. It's not necessarily about a specific product. I mean, we want to use a good clean product without like the harsh sulfates and the silicones, but it's the way we apply the water and the product to the hair that is that's where the magic happens. Yeah, and a I lot remember of seeing that. Like that. Yeah, the first time that Bryn, I took Bryn to a curly girl when I first heard about the like whole Diva, thing. like when they use the water yeah. and the conditioner, and I mean you, you can literally that? do that with any product, but if you want to truly hydrate the hair, that's when the organics come in, cleaner and no no silicones. Right. Um, I already know the answer to this question, but a lot of people are leaning heavily on these new bond builders. You know, I'm not going to say the brands because people get their panties in a twist, but everybody knows what they are. Um, I personally don't use them. I, I feel like I don't try to push the hair from Asian level two to level 22. That's just not something that I will do. I don't think that it's a pretty look when the hair is so French fried that it looks like it belongs on the floor. Um, but is that in the same vein of what you're saying about, you know, all the silicones and all the things in there to make the hair look like it's actually being, uh, left healthier or is it like, you know, more topical than actually healing the hair? The bond builders and everything, mm -hmm. I, you know, I'm like you, um, I don't really push the hair that far. Uh, so I don't really use them a lot, but I know a lot of people use them and love them. I I felt like I could never really get a true straight answer from Olaplex. I know that it's a bond builder, but I always saw that copolymer in there. So that for me is always like a plastic way to, you know, bring it back to life. That being said, if I had a client and her hair was on the floor, I would probably, you know, reach for it to help her. <laughs> but on a regular basis, we don't really use, you know, the bond builders. And about a lot of curly girls use them to perk up their curls. And, you know, a lot of people in the curl world use the Olaplex and now the K18, I think that's what it's called. A lot of people mm -hmm. are using that. And that's supposed to be a better technology, but I tend to just be more of a, I don't like to push the hair. I like to keep things organic. That's where I am in my career, but I certainly wouldn't look down on using them if I needed it. Right, so. very true. Yeah. So what do you see as, um, 
being the next chapter for you? Like at this stage in your career, after owning the salon for all these years, standing behind the chair, hiring, training, seeing so many people come and go, we put our heart and soul into training these young girls and then they go off and, and do their thing. Um, what do you think is going to be you know, your, your next chapter before, before we hopefully get to retire. You don't hear about many hairdressers retiring. They just die. <laughs> they die with scissors in hand. They die with scissors in their hand. I mean, I love doing hair, so I'll probably just continue to do hair. Um, I love doing curly hair. I love all the like new natural ingredients. Like I want to dive deeper into the organic world. And um, I mean, it's just fun. I just love hair. I always have. So to me, it's fun every day to go in and do some clients and, you know, be around people and kind of forget your troubles and help people. And with the curly hair, it's, it is fun to teach women like how to be able to do their hair without us attached to them, right. you know, with a blow dryer or them having to stand there and blow their hair dry. Like I like that they have that option to either go natural or if they want to pick up a curling iron or a blow dry, you know, when they have time, that's fun too. So but I, I love the organic end of it. And I love the wellness, more of the wellness industry, I guess. That's probably where I'm going to be heading. Nice. So do you see yourself as being one of those ladies that on their hundredth birthday, you're going to be getting your picture taken doing a client behind the chair? Probably not that long, you know, <laughs> maybe like another, probably like another five or 10 years, maybe, but not till I'm 80. I mean, I love, that's what I love about our business. Like you can do hair anywhere. And especially yeah. today with social media and you know, if I did retire in 10 years and I wanted to do a couple of people here and there and that was fun for me, then, you know, that's what I would do. Yeah, I do love that. It's so much more flexible than the, the nine to five corporate world that most people get caught up in. They can't wait to retire. What we do, we love to do. And it's like play for us most and, of the time. <laughs> right. And in the world of COVID, like we're probably one of the few professions that actually are seeing people and like still touching people and you know women will do anything to get their hair done pretty much you know if they have Absolutely. to wear a gas mask and like 12 shields and <laughs> still do it <laughs> absolutely well i enjoyed our little chat and you gave a lot of really valuable information um i don't know if you want people to follow you on social media you're pretty pretty chill yeah, or if about anybody that, has if any questions people... like about curly hair or they want to be led into uh, curly hair artistry. That's another great company that does good education. And um, yeah, if they want any tips on how to find people to educate them in curly hair, they're more than welcome to contact me. So tell them how to reach you. Um, uh, Instagram at SalonRay and uh, info at SalonRay.com for my email. And it's R-A-E, Ray, just to let you guys know. She's special. R-A-E. special. Yes. Well, thank you, my friend. It has been an absolute pleasure. And thank you everyone for listening. And we will see you on the next one. Thanks, Elaine. Love you. Thank you for listening to the Ask the Color Expert podcast. Please subscribe and be sure to leave a review. For more information on hair color education, please visit my website, www.expertcolorsolutions.com. See you soon.